Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Transgender Insights. And I am delighted to have Rochelle with us today. Hi, Rochelle. Hi, how are you going? And uh, she actually goes by Ro, so I should have said hi, Ro. And um, Ro, as we uh, start, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, you know, anything you'd like to share, and also how long that you transition, how long ago you transitioned. Yeah, sure. I'm um, I'm a bit of a newbie. I've been uh, I started my transition about three years ago or so. Had a fair chunk of time before that of trying to work out what was going on yeah. and whether I wanted to do that or not. But, but yeah, so I'm a bit. I'm still. I've still got my baby legs on. That's but, okay. Yeah, and and and, and if I, you don't if you don't mind me asking, what age range are you? So we have a context yeah. of the transition time. Sure. Yeah, I'm um, in my late forties. Okay. So um, I have an experience that is a little bit different to some people who transition, um, either in their childhood, adolescence, or, or early adulthood. So it's a bit of a different experience, I think, as a um, someone in their forties. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I I work in a corporate environment for one of Australia's big banks, uh, uh, which is ANZ. Yeah. Um, which some people love, some people hate. I think it's a good environment to hate banks at the moment. But, um, <laughs> but I, I think um, I think ANZ is genuinely a bank that um, does value inclusion and diversity, mm. um, which gives me the opportunity to do a lot of um, queer in general, but tra also trans-specific uh, advocacy within my workplace, which yeah. is always great. Fantastic. And just a little bit more context. So did, were you in a partnership? Were you married uh, previously before transitioning from male to female? Yeah, yeah, I was. I, I had a really good go at, um, at pretending I was who I wasn't. Um, I had two marriages, both of which ended up failing. Um, the second one, we're still good friends. Yeah. Um, I have three kids, two from the first marriage and one from the second. Um, but when essentially when I transitioned, my my ex, who is, I would say she's a, you know, one of the most inclusive people I know. Um, for her, it wasn't about um, not being able to accept who I was, but it was about not being being honest about the fact that for her, she's not a lesbian and, and is not bi. She's totally straight, so she couldn't see how the relationship could continue yep. because of that. So whilst that was a really hard conversation, I think it was a, an honest and genuine one, which has given us the ability to work through some stuff and maintain a relationship, um, which is a positive relationship. I would genuinely say we're still friends. Um which is probably that was probably predicated on the fact that we had to work hard on that so that we presented um, a positive environment for our daughter. Um, mm. You know, we didn't. My first breakup was pretty terrible, and that had a huge impact on my older two girls. And so we didn't want we didn't want a repeat of that. So mm. we made a conscious decision of, regardless of how we're feeling about what the situation is, we're going to be the adults. Yeah, and how old how old uh, was your daughter at the time? Uh, so she's thirteen now. So she was just going on ten. Yeah, so that's kind of a that's one of those really um, heavy duty development times for you know any child, uh, whether it's in a you know a, um, your positive family relationship or you know a, a slightly different one. It's just such a critical time for them. Yeah, definitely. 
definitely is. I mean, funny, funny though. You know, you don't, you never actually expect to go through puberty with your daughter, though. So. <laughs> Uh, very true. Very true. Well, look, thanks. Thanks for sharing that the background because I think that really helps um, all the listeners in giving everything in context. And um, so you said earlier before we started recording that you were you previously a school teacher and uh, you've gone into obviously the banking industry, but I think you have an IT background as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm I. Sometimes describe myself as a, a as a you know a jack of uh, many things but a master of nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I think um, I mean, one of the things being being trans but not actually being able to be out for a long time um, had a huge impact on me being able to hold on to jobs and be successful. And so I did try my hand at lots of different things and wasn't able to necessarily to be successful in some of those but at the same time I gained a lot of insight and and um, learning in that process so mm. yeah I, I taught for a few years and uh, I loved teaching um, but it's hard work teaching is hard work and my hat always goes off to to teachers because they work really hard mm. um, not just not just the time they spend day to day in front of their kids um, but the time in uh, doing admin, doing reporting, writing reports, um, attending meetings for staff, um, communicating with parents, all of those things that go alongside. It's kind of like, um, it's a bit of an all-encompassing career because everything you do, you walk through the shops and you're always like, oh, I wonder if I can use that thing in a lesson. Um, (laughs) You know, know, it's always on your mind. But yeah, from the IT space, I was always a little bit interested in IT from, you know, quite young. you know, I, I, as I said, I'm in my late forties. So when I was a teenager, Commodore 64s were the big thing. Yeah. Um, and that was, that, that was my first computer. And I thought, well, what do I do with this thing? And so I started playing around and then just as time goes, I started doing lots of things, found myself in a, in a position where people would say, can you help me make a website or can you help me rebuild my computer or can you help me do this or that? And, um, but I'd never really made much of a career of it. Mm. Um, and so I ended up doing my, doing a bit of a doing a TAFE course and getting a qualification, which which was helpful in gaining um, entry into ANZ um, to be working in a technology section of the bank. So when you entered into um, ANZ, were you male or female? Tell us, please share your story in this whole transition aspect of going into the workplace. Yeah, sure. So I started my I started that social and medical transition. Uh, about six months ago, six months before I um, joined ANZ. And so there I was, you know, six months into transition, negotiating, going for a role and thinking, oh my goodness, what is going to happen here? How am I going to, am I going to have to explain who I am to, in an interview? Do I need to say something? Do I not? Is it, do do I need to stop my transition so I can get a job? All of those questions were running running through my head and you know as you can imagine 
it was a bit of a, a bit of a bit of a um, bit of a terrain to kind of work out how to go forward with that. Mm. Um, I was fortunate in that um, I had a couple of friends who who work here. I mean, which is not surprising. Fifty thousand people working in this organisation. Yeah, so yeah. It's not, that, it's not that bizarre to find someone that you, that you know that works for for one of the one of the big corporates yeah. around. And but I, I messaged a friend and then said, "Oh, look, do what." Who a friend who was supportive and, and knew about my transition, so they were able to say, actually, no, you don't need to have that conversation. ANZ is actually inclusive and has some really good policies around these things, and mm. um, so which was really amazing. Like that was a really amazing experience to be able to walk into an interview knowing that I could just be myself and actually perform at the interview. Uh, just like anyone else would perform at the interview, um, not have to worry about whether they were judging me on mm. the basis of my gender identity and expression. So that was a that was a really positive experience for me. Um, and um, ANZ has a very thriving pride network, so I was able to find very quickly find some allies and friends um, to connect with. Um, oh, that's fan- that, that's 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 fantastic because that that way you know that you're in a you're in a very safe space. Um, yeah, absolutely. And especially since you were just starting to transition, uh, you know, you would have needed a fair bit of support not only from friends and family, but definitely from the in the workplace uh, as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think in in some respects it was. It was just a non-event at work. Mm. Um, within my team, it was just a non-event. I never had to have a discussion or anything about anything in that that regard, um, because they, you know, over the years, it, um, the Pride Network has worked hard to make sure that that's what it what it's like. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that there are things at play that play about who my team was and where I landed that um, would make things. Um, different just for some people you know they might not have landed in a team that was quite so supportive but Mm. you know I've never within my team ever been um, had that experience of being having been misgendered or anything like that so or or being questioned about what bathroom I'm using or any of those factors you know that's I think that part part of that is the benefit of uh, coming in Yep. already socially presenting mm. um you know but um but on the aside once i came in i i discovered that they that the pride network had put in place some um managed to get some guidelines put in place for um gender transition support um well we call it our gender affirmation support mm-hmm. package um and that it has a you know there's a number of documents involved um, one of which is targeted at the trans individual, one of which is targeted at their line manager, and one of is targeted at their team. Um, and so it, it gives them some resources and, and some opportunities to have um, discussions and, and work things out. So if someone does start a transition within the workplace, um, they're, they're able to enact those guidelines and processes, um, which involve things like... Um, you know, um, the the employee having some time off while their team has some training, yeah. Um, and then they just come back to work. All, all their logons are changed. Their name badges, if they have them, are changed. You know, all of those the email addresses are changed. All of those things. So they come back into the workplace in their affirmed gender, 
able to just go about their their job um, mm. and be productive. Yeah, that, that obviously, yeah. Obviously, that's something the business is um, interested in. That's fantastic. Are there any other banks, uh, whether it be the smaller banks or the the uh, multinationals, that have similar policies, or is ANZ leading the way in that regard? We were leading the way, um, <laughs> um, and I think you know one of the things when you're one of the first to start doing things, I think you know the others catch up and sometimes overtake you a bit. Um, ANZ was awarded um, by the. Um, the AWEI Workplace Inclusion um, Awards in 2017. So for the 2016 year, they were awarded um, the Trans Inclusion Award, um, mm. which was large, largely around um, some of those policy changes and things that have been put in place. Yeah. Um, since that time, uh, we've, we've we've assisted some of the other banks with um, within their networks to you know around their policy. Um, but one of the things that has happened, Westpac, for example, like that have overtaken us in term in one respect, in that they've um, been able to negotiate a, a paid transition leave allotment. Oh wow! Um, of, I think it's four weeks um, as a one-off, and mm-hmm. then up to one year, I think, pay unpaid leave. Um, we we don't have a have a paid allotment ANZ. Um, it's one of my pet peeves about us. Yeah, I'd love yeah. us to see it happen. Um, but what we what, what we do have is the ability to use other leave um, without question around that. You know, yeah. obviously there's a level of manager's discretion around granting that leave, as there is with anyone um, when they're taking leave. But uh, I mean, ideally, we would have a have an allotment of leave um, that is sanctioned off as that leave, just like we have, you know, parental leave. Mm, yeah. Um, I, you know, not everyone gets to take advantage of parental leave, um, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't have it. And I think one of the arguments around not having a paid allotment of leave is that it only benefits a small small community, mm. which I think, which is a genuine, it's a genuine criticism. Yes, it does only gen- benefit a small community, but that's, there's also a positive in that, in that, it costs the bank a lot less money to have that leave. You know, not many people are actually going to use that leave. Yeah. So it actually doesn't cost that much to have it in that in that regard. But I yeah. think um, so. Whilst we we've been a leader, and I still think we're very close to being um, very high up in that regard. We have been overtaken in recent times by a few of the other corporate organisations, but um, which. You know, I think that that's a reasonable thing. You know, I think it's good to be to be kept honest. It's good to be challenged mm. to, to do more. It's never just a set and forget. And do you think that's because uh, there's a lot more discussion around uh, transgender issues that it's brought it to the awareness of the bigger corporation? Well, just in corporations in general that they need to do something about this. Yeah, I think. Um, I think that's part of it. I, I, I don't think we can escape the the impact of the Caitlyn Jenner moment. Mm, um, yeah. You know, I think whatever we think of Caitlyn, um, she has um, made an impact. Yeah. Um, she's focused, she's made the discussion more mainstream. Mm. I think we also kind of all, I don't, I don't think we can underestimate the impact of um, the role that Laverne Cox played in Orange is the New Black. Yep. 
I, yeah. I think, you know, the, the, the discussions she had as part of that show and the, the visibility that she gave trans people, yes. particularly not white trans people, yeah, um, for sure, um, has also um, made that a mainstream discussion too. You know, I think we've had shows like Transparent, which, you know, we can, we can sit back and say, oh, I would have done that differently or I wouldn't have done it that way. But I think um, all of those things contribute to this being a much more mainstream mm -hmm. discussion, and even um, and even here in Australia with with um, Kate McGregor, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, for um, being for being in the public servant service and such high ranking um, yeah, in, in the forces, and that was a, that was a, a very clear role model that was not sensationalized. Uh, because I agree with you when you have. The um, entertainment stars, uh, well, even sports stars in in Caitlyn's previous life, that yeah. um, you know you have that 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 wow factor um, of entertainment. It does draw people to that. Yet sometimes there's also that sensationalism attached to it, where you know, like you said, people either love Caitlyn or you know not like her because of the reality show and everything. But at least it's put it yeah. out there where you get. Uh, you know, other people who are in the public service that then all of a sudden normalize it that it's not a big deal, it's just it is what it is, and just get on with it type thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think Kate McGregor is a really interesting case too because she doesn't typify what people think of. Um, the queer community generally, you know, mm. they, they think we're all we're all liberal progressives, and <laughs> a lot of us are. Um, I, I, I happily wear that hat. <laughs> But uh, you know, Kate, um, Kate is is not that. She's a, she's a you know a Liberal Party supporter. She's a she's a conservative. She's made some comments that she's later come back from. You know, but uh, I think Caitlin's really interesting because she's it's not the she's made a space available to have discussion that's not around the uh, the lefty greeny kind of mm. um, side of things things which is really important i think um i think we're in a really interesting space at the moment though i think we've um you know you're probably aware of the birth certificate legislation yes for the victorian parliament and um so that's a really interesting space i um i um organized a rally a few weeks ago back in july in front of parliament house and it was a really interesting space because my view was we need to actually be a visible community and celebrate the fact that we exist. Mm. And we also need to actually say thanks to this government that's actually doing something for us. Yes. Um, so we're not protesting, we're actually supporting, which was a really interesting space because we're so used to having to protest. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I, I had quite a bit of dialogue with a few people that were like, why isn't this a protest? Why isn't this a protest? I was like, well... We're not protesting. We're actually supporting something. <laughs> yeah. If we're protesting, the only thing we're protesting is that probably the opposition are not going to vote for it. But mm. but at this, we can certainly call on them to support it and do those things. But it doesn't mean we're not going to have a march down through the city of Melbourne. Instead, we're just going to gather, gather at Parliament House, mm. wave our flag, say a few words, um, call out a f affirmation to the state government, um, and call on our opposition to do the right thing. Mm. Um, so that was an interesting space. Yeah, and and I think uh, you know, being originally from the states myself, uh, and I've been here for twenty five years. The one thing that I look at, and especially with where the government is over in the states right now, is we are so lucky here in Australia to have 
a supportive environment. Uh, even 25 years ago, I was quite surprised that there was protection uh, over the LGBT community in the workplace. And that, yeah. you know, uh, Australia just seemed to be so progressive, uh, you know, compared to other countries. And I think that that's something, like you said, sometimes we don't have to protest. We actually have to celebrate how far um, the government, you know, with state and, and uh, federal has come. And no government's ever going to be perfect, but at least they are moving exactly. in the right direction and, and to yeah, say that's right. this is good. And, and, the le- and even the legislation itself is not perfect, but it's mm. a damn sight better than what we have now. Um, and sometimes you've got to take the, the, the gains that you can gain mm. um, and live to fight another day for the extras later on. Um, and I think, you know, at, at the same time, we need to continue to challenge the states that aren't doing something like New South Wales and Queensland around this space and say, you know, time to get on board and follow suit, follow what the rest of the states are doing. Mm. Um, and it's a good thing we only have eight, eight states and territories, not like the U.S. where we got um, 50 or 51. However, yeah, it keeps yeah, it seems to be keep changing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seems that the president doesn't understand that Puerto Rico is a part of the states. You know? um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's certainly I think it's a different environment. Like our political our political system is uh, you know very. We have a lot of state based legislation. Mm. Um, that um, that it, that mirrors, echoes, or um, puts the rules around some of the federal guidelines as well. So it's an interesting space because um, you know they're changing a state-based birth and birth deaths and marriages act, which takes um, has to sit within the guidelines of a federal um, marriage act kind mm. of thing. So you know, like it was like so. There's lots of hiccups and changes along the way that makes it always very interesting to make things happen but i think you're right i think um i think through i think we were very fortunate um australia was very fortunate to make a lot of social progress i think under the um the hawk and keating years i think and um uh, on the back of the whitlam years before that but they um were able to put in place a lot of social progress which has made us actually be able to exist as queer people mm, um, mm. For, for the most part reasonably safely that's not to uh, minimize the fact that we do have issues we do get things hurled at us over you know verbally hurled, hurled at us or we do get funny looks or we do get comments made and and we do face we absolutely face challenges mm. um but we do also have um protections in place um, that a lot of a lot of countries don't have. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now I'm aware of time. I want to go back to the workplace and just get some some sure. other insights uh, from you. As uh, you know, there's there's been this discussion, and I, and I know myself over the years, having worked uh, for many years in, in uh, you know living female, is the the opportunities for men versus women. Do you see or have you seen even over the three years of transitioning, is there a difference of how men and women interact in the workplace, even with promotion, and what can be learned from that? So in a sense, what can what can women learn from your perspective and what can men learn from your perspective, even though, like you said, you, you still have your uh, your your baby legs on, uh, you know, as as a woman, yeah. uh, I I still 
think that those kind of insights are, are, are quite good because we do have a different perspective. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really true. And I, I think we genuinely still very much are in a society um, that it's much harder to get progress, um, career progress as a woman than it is as a man. Um, I think part of that, is, you know, I think there's a, a very big variance in that too within the different industries that you're in. You know, true. when you're in, a regu- in, in some of those more regulated, award-based um based kind of industries where you know everyone at the same level of experience gets the same pay it's really easy to hide and mask those differences um i think anz is probably the most gender balanced place i've worked Mm. um i think they've done a lot of work um to try and make that make that better Mm -hmm. Um, and that's that's certainly the case kind of across the rank and file and up through middle management. I think it's when you get to senior management, you know, it's that same old story. The senior management becomes a bit of a boys club. Yeah. Um, having said that, there's some level there's some level of diversity on our um, on our executive car. It's not quite balanced, but it's close to balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but what but I think the thing I think um, you need a you need an organization that's committed to make it better. Um, our CEO is committed to gender equality. Um, I wish he was committed to doing it quicker than he's doing it, but he is committed to it. Yeah. But I think the big, I actually think one of the biggest challenges that we're starting to face now, um, without minimising the issues of glass ceilings, uh, um, is actually cultural diversity um, and making sure that it's possible. It's just that people's um, country of origin or language or whatever doesn't. Um, create a, a another ceiling. I think um, I, I think about glass ceilings um, in the queer context. I think of it as we don't just have a glass ceiling as queer folk. We have multiple glass ceilings. Mm. You know, uh, as a as a woman, I have a glass ceiling. As a trans woman, I have another glass ceiling. Yeah. Um, on top of that, and you know, we can, we talk about that as a kind of like a double glazed glass ceiling to break through. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I, and I think it's true. The reality is, um, misogyny is alive and well in this country. And that happens in corporations, whether they're inclusive corporations or not. But I think when it comes into the trans space, I think, uh, what we have is that level of, um, what we like to call trans misogyny, where not only are you disadvantaged for being a woman, you're then doubly disadvantaged for being, you know, a, a trans woman. Um, that's not to say that trans men don't face problems. They have, we have different have different issues and different challenges. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and I would never want to minimise um, trans guys' issues at all. But I think there is a there's a particular thing of that. Uh, a man, a man is better than a woman. Well, the other, the other thing, the other thing is too is, and what I've experienced is that most trans men can blend in, um, you know, after they have whatever surgery, or even if they don't have surgery, they can blend in, um, you know, especially if they were. Um, I'll just say like your average size. Whereas if you're, yeah. if you start out as a very tall man and you then transition. Um, sometimes, depending on stature, I'm just thinking about some of my friends that they had struggled in a sense blending in 
because of just the way that they were they were built biologically and genetically that they had to work yeah, really sure. hard to um, and like I'm, like I'm saying this is 15 20 years ago where they had yeah. to work very hard to um, blend in and and not not have that double glass ceiling as you're saying really work against them yeah yeah I think what happens too is there's that thing of uh, um, you men are better than women that you know it's pretty hard to avoid that that's actually a feature of of um misogyny but then on top of that comes that ah, oh, but you're a trans woman why on earth would you want to do that like why would you want to want to make yourself lesser than what you are so there's yeah. kind of a double a double whammy effect i think um but yeah i think um i, I think australia is changing slowly but surely sometimes i feel like it's three steps forward two steps back mm. um, at least we're know, stepping forward i i, I, think, I think we're, we're still we going forward actually becoming a more inclusive society uh and we need to continue to do that um unfortunately it'd be nice if our media was on board with that but um you know that's a that's another challenge of getting the media to talk about our communities Mm, um, mm. Let, let, let's finish. Let's finish on that. How do you think that we can get the media to come on board and not sensationalize, sensationalize, um, you know, the issues? Even though that's in a sense what some of the media uh, broadcasts are all about. Yeah, I think it's a it's a challenge because the media want to sensationalize things, mm. whether it's our issues or anyone's issues. They, you know, that's how they get the best views and the most stories. Yeah, but I think the. I think the big, the key for me is we need to be visible, be out and proud and visible, talk about it, tell our stories and um, highlight the fact that we are, you know, we're queer, we're here, we're not going anywhere and we, we are just humans like everyone else and, you know, they often, we often hear things about, oh, the gay agenda or the queer agenda or whatever. Well, yeah, there is a queer agenda, and, but our agenda is just to live safe happy lives like everyone else mm. and by by doing that publicly um and making continually but playing a positive being positive um showing kindness those things that eventually the media will be speaking into an echo chamber and it will become clear that the elephant is the room in the room is that the media is not telling the telling the true story Mm, mm. I think that that's a that's a great way to uh, to finish the interview interview, and I thank you for uh, you know for you stepping out and being a leader uh, in the trans community, and especially at your workplace. And it's great to hear that you know one of the major banks has really stepped forward, and the other the others are following. So even though they're getting a bad rap in one way, uh, you know they're doing some good things behind the scenes that many of the general public may not know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Thank oh, you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Cheers. And we thank Ro for her interview today and her insights into about relationships and also about transitioning in the workplace. This is Dr. Dion Klein. I'd like to say thank you for all those who have listened to this podcast and look forward to sharing some more insights with you in the future. Enjoy your day.